Hello and welcome to a pair of dice lost podcasting channel. My name is Brendan and this is Let the Good Dice Roll, a retrospective on our two and a half year long Exalted campaign that cannot be posted up because I kept using Persona music. Yeah, and legal with, reasons. <laughs> legal reasons, yes. I would hate to be sued by the uh, by Atlas. That would really that would really just unmake my entire year. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it would for yeah. almost anybody. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as you've already heard, with me tonight is Christina. Hi. Who's handling the notes as per usual? Unfortunately, Julia hasn't gotten home yet, so she might end up popping in at the end. Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe. it's almost nine, so who knows? We'll find out. All right, so let's uh, let's get back into the swing of things. I will apologize. I'm still hitting the tail end of my bronchitis, so I might cough just a little bit, or you might hear me munching on uh, a cough drop. But. And I'm still a little coughy because I got a cruise sickness. I don't know why. It was Sunday, September the 17th of 2017. It's been a week since Storm has left. As you remember... They, uh, everybody decided to put her mom into the, uh... Vault of Heresy. Yeah, the Vault of Heresy, the essence dampening chamber. And she turned to dust, or ash, I can't remember what it was. Sand. 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 Uh, mm. Sand, because Cecily. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh... So oh! By the way, speaking of, I figured out what that demon was called that it is. It's, uh, Perolilos, the Living Armor. For which thing? For the uh, demonic coagitator that Storm's mother had. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Just like, side note that I remembered, because I went on a tangent about it the other night. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so, after that happened, Storm decided to dipset with Sergei. Well, Sergei just kind of followed, but that, either way, they went together. So, after about a week you, of her being he was, gone... He was AFK on follow with you. Yep. <laughs> he was just yep. like, yeah, I'm gonna go do some work, wait... Guys, be right back. I gotta go make dinner. And then he just ended up and looked shy. Yep. Just like, oh man, this is the wrong place to T-pose. <laughs> so, after about a week, they um, finally noticed that there was a boat missing. And find out for, through a you that it was Storm that took the boat. Oh, it took them a week. Um, I feel like it should have taken... I feel like they should have known when the talisman went to go and give you a necklace. And then you weren't there. It took, I guess it took them a week, week to realize that the boat was gone, that that's how... Oh, that that's how you got there. Maybe? No, no, that would, that would make sense if they, if they used the boat, the, between Wayward's cult and everything, the, if they knew how you got there, they could have, like, tracked yeah. the boat. Well, you have to think about it. This just happened. Storm tends to go off on her own, so I'm sure they assume she needed some time for, them, for herself. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, hey, a boat's missing, and we still haven't seen the storm. Well, she probably took the boat. Yeah. Talisman ends up crafting a lot of things like she do for the town, and she makes some sneakers. That's sneak in parentheses with the ERS uh, for Roldo to help with his stealth. Yep, because at this point, Talisman is just giving out artifacts because she can. She's got so much stuff. She's got so much crafting XP that she can just make artifacts that give. they just give, um, like, like, fucking stat boosts. Yep. Bust for days. Then you got, <laughs> speaking of Roldo, Wayward and Roldo are sailing and doing pirate stuff. Right. Because... That was the other thing, is, is that Roldo was a very piratey person. Yeah. They were going around and robbing a few of the, a few of the realm ships, and Roldo is disguising himself as Storm's mother while he does it. And, uh... I forgot about that. Yep. And so after Talisman made this thing for him, Doof goes and finds him and delivers it to him. And on their return trip, our lovely little pirates run into a boat that is clearly flying some realm colors that happen to be part of House Catholic. And uh, the symbol on it is indicative of a trade boat. They have debates back and forth on whether they want to attack it or not, and Wayward does some kind of performance like he do. Uh, it's he a, had he it's at a this sea point, shanty. At this point, uh, John had so many performance charms that he would just throw essence at a performance and be like, "Either you're if you're gonna disagree with me, you have to like perform along with me." Because he had that charm that was like, or you just blew willpower, or like you, I used to do. Or you storm. just blew willpower, but 
if you kept blow, but if you kept blowing willpower and had to stay on the scene, like Jake would have to do, in the case of being on the boat, yeah. like you can't, like if you're trapped with someone, you can't just afford to keep blowing willpower. Oh, I know. Whereas you, whereas in your case, you'd just be like, blow willpower, walk off, walk off stage left. Yep, pretty much. That was my life with Wayward. And John and I had that agreement after a while. I was like, we just know this is going to happen. So you, why? You and John had uh, a friendly, as friendly of a rivalry as you could. as you could. Yeah. And it was great to watch as a GM because I was just like, John's going to do the thing to try and influence Storm. Storm's going to spend willpower and just walk off. Which means that, like, in John's mind, he's like, I won. And with Christina, she's just like, Fuck you, I'm not having this argument, peace. Like, if you're gonna throw charms into this argument, fuck off. Yeah, because I could throw some charms into this argument, but then then it's a combat. (laughs) I mean, he... Or a social manipulation. I mean, technically, he could throw those charms in, too, and it'd be a combat and a social manipulation. Yeah, because I also had socially manipulative charms as well. That character was all combat. You very rarely use them. Uh, Because I could out of character be socially manipulative. When we run Exalted again, I'm going to be a little bit more uh, stringent on that. That's fine. Just because because there's an actual system for it. I have a couple a, of them. It just... Not not because I want to be, like, a dick about it, but yeah. I think that because there's an actual system for it, whereas with, like, Mage, there really isn't a social defense. There's just, I rolled willpower. Did I succeed? Yeah. Nope. I guess I go along with your plan of feeding me the Soylent Green. Oh, God. Has that episode been posted that, that That's okay. literally the last episode that got posted. Okay, okay. Uh, for Mage. <laughs> got it. All right. I wanted to make sure, because I was like, don't do spoilers! But yeah, so Wayward did a lovely sea shanty to try to convince Geraldo not to attack the Catholic ship. And it worked. Because mm-hmm. um, Geraldo was stuck with him. He didn't really have a choice. And during this time, Behemoth is spending his time working the fields and summoning rock puppies to guard the area um, so that Percival soldiers can go elsewhere and worry about other places. I want to say that there was an actual name for the for the spirit that he summoned. But I, I just have rock remember. puppies. Right I honestly now. <laughs> cannot remember. I might have just had I might have just made up rock puppies to guard the area and I don't remember. Yeah, I think they were like to guard the forest or something mm-hmm. like that. Um I'll probably look it up after this episode, and the next episode will be like, The Rock Puppies <coughs> were this! Just like you were with uh, the, the armor stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Behemoth's basically planting trees, um, and then two spirits end up teaching him charms to help with the fields and things of that nature. And because then... he can do that as an eclipse. Yep. That's one of the unique things that uh, I don't think that we ever covered, but it's one of the unique things that Eclipse get in... In 3rd edition, they can learn charms from uh, other types of things, like spirits and ghosts and gods. In 2nd edition, they could learn different types of charms from other exalts. Yeah, I was going to say, so, wasn't so, there like anything almost? Yeah, so, so if you had a GM that was really lax in 2nd edition, you'd have the Eclipse that was doing Charcoal March of Spiders style. Fuck that shit. Because you you can't do fucking stereo martial arts as anything other than a stereo in 2nd. Fuck Charcoal March of Spiders. Fuck that shit. You guys actually have to deal with my custom version of that at some point. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, side note. I don't know if it comes up later, but I do have it written up in the top here. We also uh, wanted to mention Raldo's ally that he has. Uh, who is basically Morgan Freeman. Yes. Named uh, He Who Never Broke Faith, or a.k.a. Faith. Yeah, Just a side note to mention, because it's relevant later. (laughs) It's really relevant later when that character's name keeps switching, because I can't remember what his fucking name is. Eh, um, I think that it goes through three fucking names. I don't remember. I had to look up so many times the names of things for people because they couldn't remember the names of their own people. Yeah, no, that that I, that is the one NPC that I remember being like, that guy went through three fucking names because I couldn't remember his fucking name. Well, it would be funny because I would be like, give me a minute, give me a minute, it's this one, and then we'd still go by the other name by accident. I don't know. It was weird. Weird times. <clears throat> but back to Behemoth. He ends up running into this small person. Uh, it's a guy that's neon green and riding a beetle. So they end up talking, and he finds out that this guy's a tiny dwarf of the forest, um, and that he's fair folk. So since it's a fae and it's behemoth, he starts systematically killing all these little fair folk 
uh, wood dwarfs. Because yeah, it's basically uh, Devin attacks, and then the dude pops right back up into existence. Yeah, it's, it's like whack-a-mole. It's like a really weird, twisted game of fake whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. And it's just ridiculous. And this does actually, despite him just constantly punching it, this does actually give me an opportunity to... Uh, Go into exposition land about how Faye actually operate. What? Oh, no, no. Like, I think that it's actually in the notes. Oh, in, that it might be. I, I was looking through them earlier. I think that it's actually in the notes. It might be. Uh, we'll get to it if we get to it. If not, we can just go back yeah. and just talk about well, it. Well, I've actually talked about it earlier about how that Faye operate on a narrative level and how that when you kill them, it's more like they were just playing a role. So it's almost like you killed the... If you had, uh, like, fucking, uh, what's his nuts? Josh Brolin playing fucking Thanos. Well, fucking Robert Downey Jr. didn't actually kill Josh Brolin. It was Iron Man killing fucking Thanos. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's like that. Mm-hmm. So you have Talisman, uh, who sees Behemoth's anima banner flaring up, and decides to send Percival to deal with it. So Percival takes a posse out to go and deal with it because he doesn't know, like, if we're under attack or what's going on. He just sees Behemoth's animal banner just flaring out in the middle of nowhere. Because he's just alpha striking at every other opportunity that he gets. Um, and then Talisman and Surefire end up flying out on Doof to the scene of Behemoth, who is just casually committing genocide. Sort of. So he's just killing this one person over yeah. and over again. I wrote casual genocide and, like, with weird things around it's it. It's more like casual murder of the same person. Yeah. And eventually, after all this weirdness, they trap the Fae in a jar that Talisman created and find out that this little Fae knows all of our names. I, ha- I don't know why I have actors are the same Fae in different forms. I don't know why that, I use that's the word literally... actor. That, because that's the word that I use. Okay. Is that they are actors at this point. Okay. So this Dorfe made a deal with a past incarnation of Behemoth and uh, ends up talking... Well, that that Dorf's grandpa, anyways, ends up talking to Talisman, Behemoth, and Percival. They want Behemoth to not, you know, keep trying <coughs> to murder him because he's not going to be able to. Uh, and apparently, through all this shenanery... We find out that we have a wild pocket under our town. Great. So, and that the Fey Dwarf is bound to this wild pocket until it's completely mined out. Lovely. Basically giving you guys an opportunity. Because I realized in looking back at the map that you guys are... If you guys weren't in the Blessed Isle, you guys were basically in the center of the world. So, like, what reason... You would never encounter... The wild. Yeah. And uh, basically at this point, uh, Julia was starting to dip into lore, or her or Percival was. I think Percival was. They were both starting, one of them was starting to dip into lore and was going to eventually get wild shaping. So I wanted to that establish. That was wild shaping, it was probably talisman. Yeah. I wanted to establish it early on that you guys had a, a the ability to. Fuck uh, with wild stuff. To, to, to fuck with wild stuff on your own terms beneath the city, like. Without you guys having to take, like, a month-long journey into the East just to get materials. Like, I kind of wanted it to be a, hey, here's a thing for you guys to deal with. And if you mess with it, there will be consequences, maybe, who knows. It depends on what you decide to do with it. It depends on what you guys decide to do with it. But I was basically, like, establishing, like, hey, you've discovered a new resource. So there's more pirating at night with Wayward and Waldo. And then um, in the magic meeting room... The guys end up telling Diego that they saw Sato in a fleet of ships. And poor Diego seems so concerned about that. Behemoth ends up telling them that there's now a forest uh, to help us with enemies around the town. And they discuss reasons to go to Lookshy other than getting Storm and Sergei back. Uh, which has to do with the Tremors and War Striders awakening there. Mm-hmm. So there was more than just going to get us back. Yeah. And then there was further discussions about stealing working or non-working war striders, because if I think at that point, um, I mean that's what Roldo wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, he wanted he wanted to to get a war strider for himself. So mm-hmm. there was a debate on is does it behoove us to take working ones or non-working ones and kind of like take the non-working ones and start from scratch and build them up. 
Right. Uh, and so they decide to go to Look Shy and end up taking a Say You Surefire Diego and Digby with them. Mm-hmm. They're also kind of discussing and, and pondering gifts to bring to Look Shy as kind of like a way to be like, hey, we're in your town, here's this present. And hey, don't accidentally murder us. Yeah. We're a, we're a, we're a nation too. Yeah. Well, growing nation. Mm-hmm. I don't think we were really super big at that point. No, I don't think you guys were super big um, at that point. They, they have talks of doing like a dragon statue uh, because Percival knows the four elemental dragons that would be nice to use for it. Uh, but Tianyu? Tianyu? Tianyu. Tianyu yeah. is the goddess of Lukshai. Um, and they decided to make a statue of her out of jade. That that would be kind of a better presentation overall for everything. So Talisman uh, grabs a uh, fully formed Tianyu statue. It's and she she basically just grabs some marble. Yeah, and made I'm it. trying to think how to like describe it, but yeah, she because just because she's a crafter, so they're like, cool. I'm just gonna grab this. Craftsman <laughs> needs no tools. Grab some stone, and it just formed. Yeah. But uh, so Tianyu is the shortest, shortish goddess. Goddess, I can't talk. She's a shortish goddess who is wearing power armor. Yeah, she's in power uh, armor that looks slightly larger on her. Mm-hmm. And and instead of just doing just normal jade, talisman end up marbling all the jades together to make it look prettier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the story behind uh, Tianyu is there's another god who's the I can't remember what the former city uh, that Lukshai was built on was called. I don't either. From back in the Shogunate. But basically, uh, her dad is... She's Tianyu. T-I-A-N-Y-U. That's not how I spelled it. How did you spell it? I, I spelled it with an E instead of an A. That, that's it. So she's Tianyu, and then there's Tianyu, who's her father. Mm. They're, they're both super similar names. Okay. And the idea is is that she, because Lukshai is a, new, a new-ish city comparatively, she's actually wearing her dad's power armor. That makes sense of why it looks bigger on her than yep. it should. She's still growing into her... Goddesshood. <laughs> into her full capacity, yeah. So they're on their way to look shy. They'll get their next session. <laughs> uh, I mean, they do. Uh, so now we move on to Storm and Sergey, who are in look Actually shy. in look shy. Yeah. Uh, they end up, it, it's one of those things of, here's what's been happening with them. Now let's roll back a little bit to when Storm and Sergey get there, because they don't just get there in a day. It takes them, like, a while to get there. Mm-hmm. So the timelines end up lining up very closely, but not perfectly. Yeah, I tried to make it so that uh, by the time that they would have gotten there would have been when they, the next group meeting would have been. Yeah. So Storm and Sergey get to look shy, and it's not just them. Storm ends up taking three of her informants. When she gets there, she sends them out around town to gather information for her. And she requests an audience with the general counsel of Lukshai because she wants to get access to the archives there. But finds out that she needs to wait a week. So, to kill time, she ends up going to her old neighborhood, which is all quarantined off by a wall. Apparently there is a fire that tore apart three blocks of this neighborhood about six months ago. And she talks to one of the construction workers about the situation and, you know, bribes them with some money and whatnot. To go into the area. And weirdly enough, the fire was centered on her old house. Odd. And she finds some bones there with knife marks carved into it. And it's writing. But she doesn't really recognize the writing offhand. So she takes them with her. And oh yeah, I kept forgetting that you all that you didn't know. what It's in Old Realm. Old Realm, yeah. Yeah, I keep forgetting that you're the one character who never picked up Old Realm. I... I so we had sorcerers and crafters. We had people who had reasons to know it. Storm never had a reason to know it. She like wanted to learn all the other. But languages. I kept throwing old plot at you that involved old realm, yeah. and I don't know why and why I didn't learn from this because I want to say this is the first of like probably three or four times throughout the throughout it where that I just kind of go yeah it's an old realm and you just kind of go I don't fucking know old realm yeah I was one of the few characters who didn't so. Because I had no reason to know it, being right. in Lukshai and everything like that. And Percival only knew it because 
he was like a scholarly type. Yeah, he warrior. was a he was a hard scholar. And then we had our sorcerers who knew it because sorcerers. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Yeah, so, everyone else was a sorcerer besides. Yeah, you I think Raldo and I were the only ones who didn't know it. I think Raldo knew it from something. I think maybe from his sidereals or something like that. Yeah, I think some, so. Some bullshit. Yeah, I was pretty much the only one who didn't know it, which was fine. It just it made it really funny. So while she's leaving, there's a runner that comes up to her and tells her that the general council actually wants to see her immediately instead of waiting a week. Storm thinks this is kind of suspicious, so she tries to suss out if he's lying, and he doesn't seem like he's lying, so she goes to the council to speak to them. I also, for some reason, have Howl's Moving Castle-type tavern just on the outskirts of town. That is the inn with Mary, my daughter. Oh. Yeah. Because remember, you weren't there before. Yeah. So you didn't have notes about it. Oh. Yeah, so you were just like, oh yeah, also this happened. And you just wrote down. Got it. It makes more sense now. I was wondering, I was just like, Howl's Moving Castle? Like, I love the movie. And it's... But why is it on the outskirts? Of, I mean, it's always on the outskirts of town, but it's... Why is it yeah, on the like, outskirts Yeah, like, why, why is it on the outskirts of my notes? <laughs> yeah. So she goes before the general council... And the leader there, a leader, I use that loosely because of the council, but um, is an older woman of a noble house of Lookshy. Uh, she finds out that they're looking into expanding Lookshy, and even though traditionally her family doesn't do that, they're just looking to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. So the, everybody exchanged niceties and talked about this 10-year plan and blah, 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 blah. It was basically my way of showing that the status quo that everyone reads about in the book of Batlokshai is because of the uh, the emergence of solars, everything that you guys have been doing, the status quo of Lukshai of being, we're going to just fucking stay here and guard our borders, mm-hmm. and if anybody fucks with us, we're going to fuck them back. But I'm... In, literally, in this scene, I'm showing that the status quo of Lukshai is changing and shifting to a more conquering nation kind of uh, kind of thing. You say blah, 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 but it's actually... Well, I say blah, 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 because I don't have any more notes about the specifics right. of it. So that's right, where but, I, but, but, I need but, you to fill in on right, it. Right, but, but you say that and I go, and this is me subtly informing anyone who has read the book about Lukshai about how the things are a-changing, not everything is as it seems. Yeah, which leads into this next point. Uh, there's a younger man on the council, which I think is the one that I, like, verbally am bitch slap later on. Um, Probably. That says that there's a force in town that wants to revolutionize the look shine way. Storm asks for information about them, um, and he lets her know that they showed about six months ago. Hmm, there's that six months ago again. Uh, and that they are gaining power, and they sort of want to modernize Lookshy against what the general council wants to do. The council has no idea who's running it. Just because since we're t- they're talking about everything, Storm asks about her house. And, <laughs> the choice of the general council's words were not great on this part. They said that Anathema burned it down six months ago, and that's what killed uh, Storm's brothers. The fact that they used Anathema was not the best uh, phrasing there. Technically, they used the right term, because technically Anathema doesn't refer to solars. Yeah, but still. Uh, in, in the case, it, technically Anathema refers to um, any exalt that isn't a... Uh, that isn't a, uh, a, a dragon-blooded, and more often than not, it refers to fucking lunars, because, yeah. like, as much as everybody loves lunars, let's be real, if you want to get that cute cat form, guess what you gotta do, if you weren't born as a cat? <laughs> you gotta go hunt down a kitten and eat its heart. Yeah. But I know, yeah. I know people have called Solar's anathema, and that's why it was like, hmm, yeah. let's just uh, use that word in front of me, loosey-goosey, all, like... I mean, they don't know at this point that you're a Solar. Uh, actually, I think they did at this point. No, no they didn't, that's no, right. No, you guys are still really, like... That's right, they didn't They didn't know because she left, know, she left town. They didn't know that you were a Solar. They knew that Wayward and Percival were Solar's. Because they don't hide that shit. Yeah. They don't hide that shit at all. You hide that shit. And because Storm had worked for the council for so long, they didn't... Mm-hmm. They, and she had never been a solar during that. She just right. left town however long ago and yeah. just hasn't been back since. Yeah, so, like, they have no idea that you're a solar. I forgot. 
I'm meshing things together in my head. Anyways, they end up negotiating for a full and total, like, Storm ends up negotiating for a full and total access of the archives and lodging uh, while she's in Lookshy, and also an allowance uh, to bring her allies into aid with the revolutionary endeavors and help her track down who these people are and wh why they're doing this and whatnot. I don't remember if this is the one, if that's the point where I threatened the dude, but I know that younger dude ended up pissing Storm off at some point. I think that that's uh, later on. Yeah, because I remember there's a thing that I had her do. That is later <laughs> but on. But that's when we switched That's systems. later on once we switched to Goddamn. Yeah. Because yeah. then you got really, like, super ridiculous powers, but at the same time you also kind of lost Powers all. of night. <laughs> yeah, no, you, so like, when we switched to Godbound, everybody gets this huge power boost, but also stops having, like, specific things that they can do. Yeah. Like, suddenly you're just really good and not, I'm the stealthy one. I'm the combat one. I'm the war one. Yeah. I'm the it's sitting not, it's one. It's not specialized. It's very broad. Yeah, it, it gets super broad and, like, it's fine, but it kind of, like, it gets weird. Yeah. All right, so next session. Sunday, October the first. Holy shit, we are getting close to that to that one year anniversary with this game. Right, Sunday, October the first, two thousand seventeen. The rest of the group gets to look shy. And Hooray! <laughs> and you guys finally did it. It only took you like two fucking games to catch up with the rest of your party to come to the plot. I went to the plot. <laughs> you went to the plot. Thank you. I appreciate you and going to the plot. So everyone decides what they're going to do in Lukshai. Talisman asks about the oh, factory yeah. cathedral. Yeah, the, the whole fucking group decides to split up at this point. Yep. Because we're great like that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the nice thing is, is that you did, um, you did split everyone up into, um, basically, uh, whole, like, here's what this person did. That's how you Here usually do it. He, right. And I'm not sure if the, you had just sectioned out the appropriate amount of space or if that's how I ran the game. That's how you ran the game. Okay. Yeah. That makes way more sense with your notes then because I thought that I, like, I need to get better about just going around the table instead of giving everyone, like, 30 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to start doing Well, that. like, uh, if you ever look at my other stuff, it's literally, like, there'll be maybe a couple of... There'll be, like, a section of this person, and then it'll go back to this person, and then it'll go back to this person. Whereas for, I think, for this game, I just kind of went, I'm going to get almost all of your plot done at once. Yeah. Because, uh, like, if you look at the notes I do for the website for our Mage and Stuff game, it goes back and forth a lot. Yeah. So it'll be like, here's a paragraph for, like, Rory. Here's a paragraph for Michael. Here's a paragraph for this person. And now we're back to Rory again. And then mm -hmm. we're back to, like, Elias and then this, everything like that. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is just how it worked out. Like I said, everyone decides what they want to do. Talisman asks about the factory cathedral and how many are operational, uh, which, surprise, is none. And That's because uh, there was, the what, what is that, the dream about the factory cathedrals, which gave her the, the idea about it. Maybe? There was something that, like, she knew about what was underneath look shy spoilers there, there's some shit underneath look shy yeah but like well because we had the the, the tremors yeah the you had, you had the tremors stuff. and everything with the war strikers and stuff so she goes in and she's just like yo where's all your factory cathedrals and look just like what the fuck's a factory cathedral yeah but yeah there's none that are op operational and it gets passed along that talisman wants to be with the general council to get permission to make the factory cathedrals operational. We'll see how that goes later on. Um, Behemoth and Wayward have uh, our harpy, which was what, Ruby Tuesday? Yeah, that was Ruby Tuesday. Yeah. Have uh, Ruby I don't think that we ever mentioned that during the Metagalapa, but at some point in Metagalapa, uh, John recruited a harpy uh, from the... Harpy waifu. A harpy waifu named Ruby Tuesday to be his secretary. Yep, just start just just add into that collection. Uh, the they had her, that's what three waifus for him now. Ghost waifu, dragon, dragon king, king waifu, waifu, and harpy waifu. waifu. Yeah, Is yep. he any more? Sure, I think he gets another one or two before he leaves. I think he gets at least one more. I think. Yeah. Maybe 
I don't remember. Who knows? I know it was at least those three. It is definitely at least those three. I can't remember but, like, anyone else. Ruby Tuesday is more of a secretary for him yeah. than anything else. Uh, but she signs... Still Behemoth. waifu bait. <laughs> she signs Behemoth up for the tournament that's happening. Um, while the boys go and check out Boys Minus Percival and Roldo. Basically just Behemoth and Wayward. Basically just <laughs> Behemoth and Wayward. <laughs> while they go and check out the tournament coliseum. <clears throat> and this coliseum is much larger than the one that we have. And um, if I recall, in looking through those notes, uh, it is also um, you and Percival do not remember it. That's literally the next line that I was going to say. I'm a psychic, except I also looked through the notes earlier. Yeah. It's a first aid structure that wasn't there when Percival and Storm left about a year ago. With... Which puts in a time frame of how long they've been away, about a year. Yeah, about a year. Well, I'm going to let you continue, and then if it skips to another person, I will uh, chime in. Okay. Because I, I don't remember exactly what the notes cover, so... That's fine. So the prizes range anywhere from Orichalcum to First Age Tech. But the real prize is that this is the first time since the Solar Fighting Tournament. Like, it's come around. Right. Um, because every time there's a solar eclipse that happens, there's this big tournament where this Coliseum just moves around. This particular Coliseum. Yes. Back. Okay. Okay. I, I wanted to make sure that that got mentioned. Yeah. So winning this tournament means that you get to fight in a tournament 10 years from now. And the personal prize for that tournament comes from the Unconquered Sun himself. Right. Which is... You know what? I'll get to it later. Okay. I'll, I, I promise I'll get to it later because the winner of the tournament does get a prize that no one knows about. Yep. I know who the winner of the tournament is. I was not happy about it. Yeah. No, no one's happy about it. But fucking... Yeah. So Ruby Tuesday comes back. And Behemoth's all signed up. And she tells them uh, that they have everyone go through these trials of elimination uh, to kind of thin out the numbers so they're not having, like, a million people compete. Do you know what that is a reference to? Not off the top of my head. The trials, not necessarily the, tri not necessarily the specific trials, mm -hmm. but the trials to get into the tournament to do the fighting thing is actually referenced to the uh, sports festival from My Hero Academia. Oh, that, okay. Because it's a, it's a good way to kind of like weed out, weed, like to, to cut out the shaft. Yeah, no, that makes and sense. And like make it so that it's like the good fighters are going to get in instead of you having like 32 brackets that are then going yeah, to convert no, I mean, a lot and have of, like a lot half of, of them be born. Big things like that will do kind of elimination rounds mm -hmm. to, to figure out like who's the crew of the crop to make the yeah. actual public fights more interesting. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I had literally, uh, I think the day before this, had listened to a YouTube video on why the My Hero Academia tournament is uh, the pinnacle of tournament arcs, because it's not just fight guys. Yeah. And, and, like, watch main characters be overpowered until they hit a wall, or until they hit another main well, character. I mean, you could, you could think of it also, uh, if you watch Naruto, with the big... The tuning exam. Yeah, the, the tuning exam is a really good example of that. Is you have everybody in the force, and then it's like, hey, time for some one-on-one -on -one combat. Yeah. And it's like, cool, we've weeded out all these teams who couldn't pass and figure out shit, and now we're down to these really good ones, and now we're going to slowly have one-on-one -on -one fights until we get to, like, our top eight or... Ten. I, I don't honestly remember. The only thing I remember from... The only thing I remember from the tuning exam <coughs> is literally... The two episodes. Like, I'm not a huge Naruto fan, but, you know, if you love anime, the two Naruto episodes you watch are, are the fucking Rock Lee versus Gara episodes. Man. Those yeah. are the pinnacle of fucking, like, early 2000s anime. Like, come at me, bro, fucking fight me. I've, uh, I've watched almost all of Naruto, so, like... <laughs> yeah, but, like... Could you imagine, like, Boruto's dad? He's super cool. What if he got an anime? Yeah, that meme. That meme is my fucking favorite. After after this, after I'm done recording, I have another meme I have to show you. Okay. I've also watched some of Boruto, too. I've heard, I've heard that Bort gets pretty good. Bort? <laughs> Bort, yeah. All right. Back to this, anyways. So, the different elimination challenges are games of strength, 
transported a mortal unharmed through a field of battle, which is basically an escort mission, and uh, an obstacle course. So Behemoth decides to choose the feat of strength and the escort mission. Right. Right. Because I don't see him doing well on an obstacle course. No, no. I I don't see him doing very well on an <laughs> obstacle course. I think he was more of a soak monster than a dodge monster. He was also, like, a big boy, too. Yeah, but also if you're dex 5 and dodge 5, it doesn't matter if you're a big boy. That's fair. I, just, I don't think he was built... That's I how... Don't, I don't think he was built to be, like, quick... He was, he was not built to be quick. Yeah, he was, that's what I was alluding to. Right. The only time he was built to be quick is when he yelled thunderclap rush attack from across the table. That's true. It's very true. So Behemoth notices uh, the Minotaur lady is here also. Right. Uh, sickle Blade. It doesn't, I haven't, yeah. I don't think it meant, I don't, I think it just says Minotaur lady, but it yeah, is Yeah, for a while blade. until I get to a part later where it actually names her. Well, I figured I would just spoil that. Yeah, and because I think we've they, also mentioned her name before in yeah. previous episodes. Yeah, we have during the calibration episode. And he also notices someone with earth, earth aspect markings there. A short, muscly guy being followed around by a guy with a dog. You know who that is? Yeah. He's going to be important to podcasts later. Yep. Then you have an author from the Abyssal Circles here also. There's lots of hooded people. And at least one girl amongst them. There are, yeah, uh, two hooded, at least two hooded people. Yeah. Well, one, there's, I think at least two hooded guys and then the hooded girl. Yes. And Behemoth, you know, says hi to the to Sickle. I'll just call her Sickleblade, fuck it. It's already out there anyways. Says hi to Sickleblade and Author, um, who Author says Will is also here. And uh, Sickleblade thinks that she's just going to win this for sure. And even though she says there's some pretty st- stiff competition around here. And author points out an abyssal, uh, a male abyssal that's hooded, and mentions that that person is not a part of the Mask of Winters group. And then he also points out that the hooded girl is a lunar. And uh, for the cl- for a cloaked male, he's unsure who it is, just that the guy just looks like a dude. And Wayward uses his wizard's eyes... Because that's what we call it, wizard eyes. Wizard eyes. Yep. And he doesn't see any spirits around him or that the person is a spirit. So there's that. I believe that that the next session it gets revealed who the fuck that character is. Maybe. Maybe. Not this episode. Teaser for next episode. Uh, So, the guy with the dog is from the West. Potentially a pirate. Totally a pirate. Uh, And is also arguing with the dog and might possibly be out of his mind. Is totally not out of his mind. I can guarantee you that that dog actually has a higher intelligence score than he does. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing is no one's given Behemoth the stink eye from, you know... I can't believe this is the first time that that character gets mentioned this far into the game. Yeah. Like, that's we, so cool. You have to so realize cool. we, we didn't meet him for a long time. I didn't realize how slow of a game that this was because in my brain it's just... It's going super fast. Yeah. And then we go to Percival. He goes to the military headquarters, because I can talk. Uh, and there's a supplier speaking to a general-type figure in full armor. And um, this guy's a, kind of a bear of a man with a big axe on his back. Right. And they're negotiating for supplies for some I, kind I'm, of attack. I'm going to wait until you're done with this paragraph, and then I'm going to cut in. Okay. Uh, well, that's where it ends is around here. So I'm up here. Right. So, okay. You know. So so keep going. Okay. I've read through this. I know where this ends. Okay. So uh, Percy sort of recognizes the guy in the armor and knows that he's basically a merc leader. And he waits till they're done and goes up to the armor guy to say, you know, hi, introduce himself and everything. And uh, the guy mentions that Percival's dad is doing some work for him. That there's undead rising up in the south, and um, it seems like there are just a lot of them there. So they're stockpiling weapons to deal with that whole issue. The armor guy confides in Percival that they are planning to take the lap, and that Lukshai is assisting them. And then he mentions picking up Sheila in a bar before she wrecks it like she did Chiaroscuro. Or Chiaroscuro, however you want to So that is... Dan's character, uh, 
rampart of tower defense something. Mm-hmm. Something fucking ridiculous. It's the character that I mentioned a couple episodes ago who basically just blocked Visionary's Alpha Strike and let Julia's uh, martial arts character just... Sheila. Deca- Sheila. Decapitate um, that. Uh, him. Also... So basically, like, this is me, like, showing the groups interacting together at this point. The South game is kind of disbanded. Um, nothing's really going on with that. I'm trying to get everything together and, like, fix stuff. At some point, I'll let everyone know what happens with the South game because there's a lot of stuff set up. There's a lot of stuff kind of set up here that um, entices the group to kind of interact with the South. But because they already have so much on the on their plate they decide not to and there's a point of no return where that the group in the south says like literally gets up with me and goes hey what if we did this and i go yeah sure that sounds great i'm gonna just turn the south into a uh open game field there there's some plot drops that kind of happen right here that unfortunately go nowhere also the earth aspect is uh glory's grand grandson ah okay yeah yeah the one that killed the solar with the with the fucking uh uh jade hammer man yeah yeah (laughs) i i thought it was really fun to do since this was jake's second game up there and since the yeah it's little little drop off things yeah julia Julia recognized it because you also name dropped sheila so she's i don't remember her reaction but i think she gave you a look when you said it Mm -hmm. so (laughs) Uh, but they talk about some kind of warehouse um, where the broken things are fixed and, like, if left overnight versus going to, like, Percy's dad's place. I don't know. that The notes are a little incoherent there for that. There's a... Basically, Percy's dad is a mechanic. And basically the idea is that, hey, if you want some stuff fixed, instead of dropping it off at... Uh, the warehouse. Mr. A- instead of dropping it off at Mr. Hodgeworth's place... You drop it off at this warehouse, and it just automatically gets fixed free uh, of charge. Gotcha. Which I believe runs into the next session. Maybe. Uh, so there's a town crier uh, talking about the semi-annual town meeting that is taking place right now. Because of that, Percival goes to see our sunshade rep, the liminal Nikolai Constantine, uh, concerning the meeting that's going on. And he is in the, uh, a penthouse apartment like most of the diplomats are. He looks like he actually exchanged his head for a better looking head. Because you can do that as a liminal. And apparently there's a mention of an issue with ghosts a bit ago um, that he had to handle. And uh, Percival tells him that he wants to attend the meeting that's going on right now. Yeah, uh, as the council knows that he is some kind of... Uh exalt that kind of crosses the line between the living and the dead they actually come to him about things involving uh anything dead any uh, anything in the shadowlands yeah it makes sense uh, or in the underworld the, he he's kind of their liaison for that yeah because they don't understand a lot of it skipping over to raldo so i'm gonna warn ahead of time there is a part where because of sidereal bullshit part of this is technically redacted I don't uh, think it's because of scenario bullshit. I think that's because it's reversal of fortune, which I think is a um, like well, we well, could, wait, isn't it a larceny charm? That's a larceny charm. Yeah, that's a that's not scenario bullshit. Yeah, that's that's, right. that's a that's that, one of those that's, deep deep larceny charm. That's charms. Jake doing a deep deep larceny yeah. charm. Either way, I'm gonna mm. read what happened and then I'm gonna tell you what the retcon is because it's just ridiculous. And then I'll tell you what that Rakan is a reference to. Um, so he goes to the military workshop to slowly try to steal pieces to take home of war striders. As we know, Jake wants a fucking war strider. He disguises himself as a cadet to go in, and they show him around. He goes in and out about five different times and steals, you know, a good chunk of the frame for a he war strider. He basically comes in as different cadets with, like, glasses and a mustache and glasses and a mustache and a beard and glasses and a mustache and a beard. Like, yep. th- like that's how I imagine Roldo's larceny works. And because it's sore larceny, it just fucking works that well. So here's where it gets a little wonky. So, as he's leaving the last time, he notices someone has literally stolen the shirt off of his back and is running away from him. 
So Rondo points out the, the person running away to the guards and says that the person is stealing war strider parts, trying to place the blame on them instead of him. Then Roldo just fades into the crowd, like, you know, as Nightcast do. And uh, so as he's walking around, he feels someone trying to steal his coin pouch. And it's uh, a woman, which is the person who, like, stole the shirt. Uh, and apparently she has appearance four. I don't know why that was important, but apparently it was important to write She now. was pretty. Yeah. Uh, saw what uh, he did with the War Strider and wants his help with something. And asked if he's ever heard of the black market. Insert reversal of fortune. <clears throat> so, bloop, when she tries to steal the shirt, he steals her panties. Go figure. So, she, hold on. She hands him essentially a card uh, for where the black market is. That is hard. The biggest reference to Konosuba that I've ever heard from Jake. And I didn't realize it was a reference to Konosuba until like a year later when I started watching Konosuba. I don't know that one. Konosuba is the isekai that's all about, um, hey, you you died and went to another world, and you're an idiot. And also, like, I, I, it's a comedy isekai. It's fucking uh, fantastic. It's basically, hey, I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna teach you the. I'm gonna teach you the skill theft. And the only thing that this guy can steal is panties. That sucks, but... <laughs> it's just like, yeah, theft! And then the girls are just like, what the fuck? And he's just like, oh, whoops. Jeez. They also have a masochistic paladin. Mm. Yeah. Lovely. Name Darkness. Anyways, back to this. More Raldo shenanigans. So later, Raldo disguises himself as a janitor to steal the rest of the parts. Uh, while he's doing this, he notices a hidden door with stairs going down it. So he's, you know, stealthily and carefully goes down the stairs. And he hears people playing cards and glasses being, you know, like, clinking around. And there's machine sounds and whatnot. So he peeks in. It's got clean walls it's you know there's small automatons waiting on people and there's about four people and you know one that's playing darts uh and there's a large blueprint of a vault diagram so he decides to try to steal stealthily as he do uh to get in there without being noticed and steal it and he ends up being able to do that so later he checks in with the group and tells us about the War Striders. Well, them. I'm not with them at this point yet. Tells about the War Striders and the Vault Blueprints. And then he decides to go on a recruiting mission. Because it's Raldo. Because it's Raldo. Now we go to Storm, who has gone to the, uh, the archives. She presents her past to the archivist and goes to look up Old Realm so that she can spend hours translating these goddamn bones because she doesn't fucking know Old Realm. I think eventually she learned it, or at least enough for simple stuff. I think that once we converted it to Godbound, I just kind of gave it to you because Godbound. Yeah, well, I think because I had done this research plus time skips and bullshit, I think yeah. you let me not be able to, like, Fluently speak it, but no basic stuff. I think I also like. just kind of gave everybody it in old in Godbound, just because I was just like, half of you are like old exalted, and the other half of you have been around since the beginning of the game. Yeah, like th th there's enough of a time skip that I'm just like, you fucking learn this shit. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to deal with languages <coughs> when you're playing in a game. Where that literally the title of it is Godbound because you're a fucking god. Yeah. So she spends hours translating these bones and uh, tells Sergei basically, you know, this is going to take a while, so go and do as you please because this can't be interesting to you. It ends up taking about a day to translate all these freaking words. And the words on the bones are actually addressed to Storm. It says, Dear Nerissa, your ex is a crazy person. Star and Seeker are ruining everything. Love, Amar. And Amar is actually uh, her youngest brother. That's the one who is Serenity, right? Yes. Okay. Serenity. Uh, so Sergei is reading accountant books while Storm's doing translations. 
And he had actually, because he knew she was looking and going to look into it, had looked into uh, the birth records that she wanted to know about. Be- and this is when Storm finds out that he is dots in bureaucracy. He knows bureaucracy. He's kind of a big, strong nerd. Yeah. He's... He's a big buff boy who's super Labrador sweet and is, like, secretly nerdy. Yeah, he's... It's great. I love it. It makes me super happy. You have a heart of a bureaucracy. This is the it's, first time. He's super This it's is super the first cute. time that I've seen a heart on your fucking, it's like, super notes. super cute. It's this... How, how many pages of notes are we in? Like, fucking, like, 45 or something like that? Uh, ha- more than half the notebook. More than half of what? A 100-page notebook? Uh, 70 page. Okay, yeah, so like 40, 35-ish. This is the first time that I've seen a fucking heart show up. I think it's fucking adorable. <laughs> uh, I love Stargate. He's one of my favorite characters. So he ends up showing her the the papers and says that it's, uh, is really rare from this year. Like, the, the records are old records. And so that, that paper is just very rare. And that it's just also really weird that they would use it on something like this. Like, uh, let me explain it. So the, the papers that he's looking at for certain ones look newer and rarer versus other ones that don't quite look the same. I'm not, I'm right. not sure if I'm explaining that correctly or not. The, 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 the better way to put it is, hey, why was this put on a very specific and very, like, rare type of papyrus? Why is this such a big deal as opposed to every other birth record? Yeah, that's probably much better. Because it is supposed to be a big deal because of the, uh, your, your birth. Yeah. Uh, we end up going back, the Storm and Sergei end up going back to their suite, and it seems like everybody's giving her a wide berth, which is weird considering, you know, how crowded the streets are at the time. So she's not quite sure what's going on, um... And then she realizes that there's a tournament going on, so she just decides, hey, fuck it, let's go watch the tournament, and I'm going to take some notes on people. We found what we needed to today, so let's just fucking go. Go back to, well, go to Talisman and Surefire, who go to meet Ranith. Uh, Ranith of Diamond Hearth, if I remember correctly? Yeah, Ra- Ranith of Diamond Hearth. Yeah, he's this slight mousy-looking guy, so I know that much, because I have it written off. To- yeah, Ranith of Diamond Hearth. 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 However you want to say it. I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. Uh, they go to meet him, and there's a woman there as well. It's a taller uh, woman with a light green cloak. She's got fiery red hair, uh, blue, jet, blue jade dye clave, and uh, breathing lines on her. And Ranith recognizes Talisman because he's actually an advisor to the Bull of the North. But yeah, he's an advisor to the Bull of the North. Surefire lets uh, Ranith know that Talisman's memories are very dodgy right now, and <clears throat> Ranith asks when and why Talisman hasn't come home, so that explains a lot of it. He also says that someone else will be coming to meet up with them, and there's a knock on the door. Ranith says that he just hates dealing with these people, these people being the ones at the door. And uh, the people at the door are Surgeon and Voice. So Talisman decides to greet Surgeon, because, you know, they're old friends and whatnot, and lets them know that they're welcome to stay in the City of Sunshade, because, you know, the Jala problem's not existing anymore. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> that, uh, they haven't exactly been in contact, and they've been out adventuring lately, so they haven't had the time to tell the, the Bass of Winters people. Yeah. So Surefire and Rana start discussing how they're going to get Lookshy to help fund the war in the North, and Talisman says that she'll talk to Sunshade about helping out with funding as well. Uh, she offers Raldo services and thievery and offers to send food up, which they will probably need as well. Mm-hmm. Talis- uh, so Talisman ends up flashing her cast mark, and Ranith ends up flashing a Twilight cast mark, which is very interesting. Ranith just doesn't know doesn't know all what Talisman and Surefire have been doing, so they're just kind of playing catch up at this point and trying to figure out what they're gonna do, what they've been doing, and just kind of bring everything around full circle. Right. Uh, so they end up finishing the discussion. Surefire says that he still needs to to go and meet up with uh, a girl from the Silver Faction as well. 
So Storm gets to the fighting coliseum. The fighting coliseum. Yep, the special fighting coliseum. So she gets there in time to sit with Sergey and start taking notes. And while this is going on... Can, can, can I interrupt here real quick? Yeah. There is a reference coming up that you will very recently understand, and I want you to let me know if you get it. Maybe I get it, but I just won't have a reaction to it, so you might want to point it out at some point when it comes up. Okay, no. If you see it and you understand it, like, I'll, I'll wait, like, five seconds, but I will fucking point it out. Okay. Uh, Behemoth just... So, for the strength competition, they have to mess up a war strider. And Behemoth just fucking wrecks this war strider in the strength exercise. Okay, so some of the mortals and exogens, uh end up doing the strength challenge okay it's, they end up doing the strength challenge and it's okay but behemoth's the one who really sets the standard for it mm-hmm. and well i mean that dude's got like strength and brawl like up to, at the wazoo at the wazoo and then ex- probably excellency it to just destroy everything mm-hmm. so there is a there i'm gonna you have the group you have author the Earth Aspect with a Hammer. You have Sickle Blade, the Minotaur. You've got the uh, young lady with the Lynx features. Uh, the man with a mask who is long and lengthy but well-muscled. There's the short guy with the dog. Uh, then there's the mummy-type guy that Behemoth ends up yelling at because he only looked at the War Strider to break it. Um, and right, it's the mummy-type guy that becomes a... Uh... That becomes a big player. Yes. Yeah. Um, that guy ends up throwing metal at Behemoth, but he just parries it. Uh, so then it gets to transporting the mortal. Behemoth uh, has to transport this old lady with a container of soup. So he puts the soup into elsewhere, grabs the old lady up, and just fucking bolts for it. And ends up passing it. Christina, so, what is that a reference to? I can't think off the top of my head. Deadly mind. premonition. My pot's getting cold. Oh, that's My pot thing. is so cold. Why is my Yeah, no, it's a fucking deadly premonition that reference with that thing. with the fucking uh Sigourney the pot lady or whatever. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, lady. no, I just went My soup's getting cold and then Devin's just like Yeet that fucking soup into elsewhere, and then let's fucking run, and then I'll grab it once it comes Jeez. out of elsewhere. Elsewhere. Uh, I'm gonna save the the listings of the matchup for the end of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're gonna go back to Percival, who is going to the meeting with Nikolai, and there are a lot of people talking about how the River Confederacy needs to unite under a single run government. But they all vote for no for that. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know who, who's trying to be part of a river confederacy? Thorns. Well, that comes up literally right now. <laughs> so, uh, Will is there on behalf to speak for the Mask of Winters and Thorns being part of the river confederacy. Percival actually speaks against this, but only in the sense of just not right now can they be a part of the river confederacy. They need to see what the Mask of Winters has to offer before it seems like a viable option. I think that it's... And Lookshy is also gearing up for war, which has already been mentioned. I think that it's sometime in March of the following year that the Thorns episode happens. I cannot wait for us to find that. The one that I was not there for? The one that you were not there for? Yeah. It is hard. Like, I might just be like... We're going to just not mention this episode, and we're going to just do a fucking episode on this, because this is like, I could talk for literally an hour about about, I could talk for a half an hour and then just take some questions about how much fun I had with that fucking session. (laughs) Back to Raldo. Uh, He goes to the place on the card that he got. And when he goes through it, there's a slide that leads down to a room where he stole the vault map. Like, I just <laughs> yeah, no, literally, he literally just went back. Went back. <laughs> yeah, there's no point to that whatsoever. Um, well, he didn't know. Yeah, he so. wasn't aware. It's just really funny to me. It's just really funny that he found the place, left, and then came back with the shit that he had stolen <sighs> before. Yeah. All right. So then, now back again to Behemoth. He is uh, fighting Sickle Blade, 
which is his first fight, actually, from the pairings. So the, the pairings, this is the only thing I'm going to say, I'm not going to say, like, who won till the ending, but the pairings to start off were Arthur versus uh, the pirate guy, which is the Prince of Theft. Who is a character that everyone will have to deal with in the actual podcast at some point. That's fine. I like the Prince of Theft. I like, he, I, he's I, fucking fantastic. I like Roska. So then you've got the mummy guy, who is named the Crimson King, is fighting the lunar... The Lynx Crimson Lunar King girl, has been referenced. The Lynx Lunar Girl, named Sesta, the Lynx of the South. You've got the Earth Aspect, Ladal, um, who is fighting the, like, full face mask, linky dude, who's a explosive star seeker. And then you've got Behemoth, who's fighting uh, the Minotaur Girl, which is the Sickle Blade. So those are the matchups, but I'll go to, on to what happens with that later. Uh, so Behemoth is fighting Sickle Blade, and he finds out that she's actually an alchemical. Which is why she didn't die when they had sex. Yeah. I knew that. I wasn't trying to spoil that, though. So, uh, Sesta, like, after the... I guess I should probably say what Well, I mean, you've actually that. literally mentioned, uh, Sesta before, but that... Yeah. Uh, Sesta, the Lynx of the South, is, uh... Is totally Storm's little sister. Yeah. Uh, so Sessa in her Lynx form uh, finds Storm and nudges her to leave uh, her seat to go with her. Uh, and they decide that they can find out what happened with Behemoth and Sickle Blade's fight later. Because her fight, what happened with her fight? Yeah, she did not win her fight. Who did she fight against? Uh, the Crimson King. Yeah, no, the Crimson King fucking rocked that shit. She, he didn't kill her, though. Like, he, 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 he specifically, like, Showed that he was stronger than her, and it's just like so. So, so to uh, to uh, go back a little bit, the Crimson King is the guy who just stared at the War Strider. No one saw anything happen, and the War Strider just broke. Yeah, the Crimson King is uh, has got referenced uh, the last time in Volvat at yeah. the very end. Yeah, um, this is totally hard. A uh, Reoccurring NPC. Re- reoccurring NPC, also um, totally an abyssal from the enemy circle, totally an abyssal from uh, the main under the waves. Yeah, it's not explicitly mentioned that that's who he is. It's not explicitly mentioned, but since we're going back and we've mentioned this shit before, we can at least point it out as we're going. Yeah. Like, um, so Storm goes off with Sesta, and. She tells Storm that uh, their sister and brother, so uh, Vita and uh, Diam, are working on something. And Storm asks, uh, oh, sorry. Well, she says their sister and brother are working on something. And Storm asks which brother, and that's when Sesta is just like, we only have one brother. So Storm's just like, okay, what's his name? And Sesta's just like, what? You know, it's Diam. And so that's how she finds out that, you know, Sesta doesn't remember Amar. Because Amar is a sidereal. Yep. And she finds out that the three of them, minus Amar, are all a part of the revolution. Surprise, surprise. Not really. It wasn't a surprise. Wasn't but a surprise. <laughs> it wasn't a surprise at all. So going back to the tournament, because I don't think the tournament gets... It does it, get mentioned. It, it does it get hard, mentioned it hard gets more. Mentioned. So like, I can promise I, you it hard gets mentioned. So I won't mention how the the match actually goes because I am looking ahead and it is it does talk about the different fights. So like I said, I'm just mentioning the, those matchups and when we talk about more sessions, you'll find out how those fights go. But I will tell you, Sesta does lose to the Crimson King. So Well, because it's a first matchup. Yeah, because all of them happen. Behemoth and the Sickle Blades are, is the last of those matchups. Uh, so we'll talk about the other ones at a later point, but Sesta does lose to the Crimson King. Right, so, um... Yes, that is the end of that session. Okay, so, uh, wow. I forgot how long the old tribe was going to... You know what, you know what, uh, fucked me up about this? What? Is that we did... Is I thought that we were going to get through all of Old in one night. Why? Because we did all of Mount Metagalapa in one night because I was going on vacation, so we had to we record... We did two sessions So in we one had night. to record two fucking episodes in one night. So that, that was four sessions. Yeah, that was four fucking sessions. Yeah, no. I fucking five pages, Jesus. It I forgot how ridiculous this game gets at some points. So, for Paradise Lost Podcasting Channel, I've been Brendan with Christina. 
Send so, us questions. Send us some fucking questions. I would love to answer some fucking questions and uh, just have some one session episodes where we get to just fucking banter. If you guys could, uh, remember to like, share, subscribe, uh, comment on our stuff. We are now on iTunes. You can you can comment on that and leave us a rating. A five-star rating always would help us uh, get to new ears and help us uh, get out there. We'd appreciate it. We'd appreciate it. Um, as far as new things that are coming out, uh, following this episode, the next episode that comes out, is going to be Mage the Ascension, episode 11. I don't have a fucking title for it just yet, but I'm sure it'll be... I'm sure it'll be cool. We're getting back to combat with that game. It's gonna be fucking cool. It's not saying too much. Is it the church episode? It is the church Yes! Episode. Well, I'm so excited. It's the church session. I'm it's so not, excited. We, they, we've still got two more recorded episodes of Mage. Hopefully there's not gonna be a, uh, a dip in uh, Mage stuff. Uh, following Mage is going to be our first episode of Iron Kingdom. This is gonna be weird because yeah, it's, the, it's a very like I don't know how many of our listeners have actually ever played Iron Kingdoms, but it's a very visual measuring game. Look into it; it's it's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, we try so the first two sessions were not very good about. Um, I'm just gonna give you guys a heads up: we're not very good about. Uh, describing characters moving and uh, what that we do and stuff. We just kind of do it and then roll the dice. But by, I promise by session three, we get way better about it. We're still filling Um, out the system. Most of us had never played it before. um, Yeah, a lot of us have never played it before. And those of us who have played it before, we're just kind of like, are running it or are not present for like two episodes. True. Um... But by, like, I, I promise you guys, by, like, session three, four, and five, the, the game starts taking off. We start actually getting more into roleplay. It gets, it gets way better. But with any uh, system with introducing it to new people, I start off very heavily with, let's do combat. So the first couple episodes of that are going to be, let's do combat, let's do money, let's just kind of... Feel out the system. Feel out the system. We also have um, three new players in that. Uh, Taylor, Katie, and Ryan. Yeah, we have three yeah, new players. Yeah, we have three new players who I have never roleplayed with before. Well, and, I've roleplayed with them before, and these but people, I've never GM for them yes, before. Yes, and these people will actually end up joining us if they want to, which they seem like they're interested in, when we start Mage back up again. Yes, they're hopefully going to join us when we start Mage Back Up again, which is going to be at the beginning of February, so hopefully I can stretch it until then. Maybe I'll do a Mage behind the scenes and have you or you and Julia ask me fucking questions. I don't know. Just to kind of fill in the gap. Be interesting. Or we can find something else and then Mage can take a small hiatus. Or we could, you know, just play Mage. Or you just play mage. Yeah, just play we mage. we could just have some more Iron Kingdoms to just fill the gap because Iron Kingdoms takes a little bit to get good. Yeah. Like like just being honest here, Iron Kingdoms takes like I'll be honest, Iron Kingdoms doesn't get good for me as as a GM until like s- session three. It was just learning it because like I said, a lot of us. Have the, there's a lot of learning it. Um, I don't know what episode that's going to end up being because there's going to end up being a lot of me having to cut out like and now we measure and now we move yeah and now like there's gonna end up being a lot of that that i end up having to cut out so who knows what episode that'll be maybe it'll be episode three maybe it'll be episode five who knows i'll totally put a note in there where this is where iron kingdoms gets good we'll see we'll see what happens okay so for paradise lost podcasting channel i've been brendan this is christina and let the good dice roll. Great. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I was about to yell out Master My Own Destiny. No. No, no, no. I know. That's when Werewolf comes back. <laughs>